I'm Claire Sparrow. And I'm Sophie Rugg. Welcome to Reimagining You, The Pilates Way. In today's episode, we're continuing with our theme of identity and we'll be chatting about the importance of children's movement and what we might wish we'd done when we were younger. So let's make some notes to our younger selves. Body Pelvic Health is proud to be sponsoring Reimagining You, the Pilates Way podcast. Whole Body Pelvic Health is the online membership course for women who want more from their pelvic floor than traditional exercises are currently giving them. 90% of women who give birth have a birth injury, and if untreated, that can cause incontinence, pain, prolapse, and more. 50% of women are suffering from pelvic dysfunction in silence when it could be improved by carefully curated exercises. This is where whole body pelvic health comes in. This is the course that leads you from frustrated and restricted by your pelvic floor to continent pain-free and fabulous again. The membership course teaches you what is possible for your pelvic floor through tailor-made online classes allowing you to live the adventurous life you desire. Pelvic floor dysfunction is not for life. You can become continent and flourish again. So this episode is, is inspired by my eldest son, who I was watching the other day, and so much of the movement that he involuntarily does reminds me of some of the exercises that we do in Pilates. <laughs> and since he's been born, movement has really been his thing. And we were that family who were waiting outside the for the playgroup to open because he was up raring to go. We couldn't <laughs> contain him in the house. And then we'd walk <laughs> a few miles to get there so we could stop burning off that energy. And still today, he's a really active child. And when he started school, I'd pick him up. And he would sometimes just burst through the door and he'd instantly want to run and climb. But where is he? Oh, he's up that tree. <laughs> and some days I could really tell, and I still can, if... He's had to sit still mm -hmm. all day by the sheer physical energy he has when he comes out of school. Does that resonate with oh, you? Oh, it totally resonates with me. I remember with one of ours that they would be banging at the door to get out to play in the oh, garden yeah. from really early. And we had to explain like what time the clock needed to say before he could get out in the garden oh. so he wasn't like waking it up all of our neighbours. And then you become out. that parent that's like, oh, it's seven a reasonable time for yeah exactly <laughs> I'm usually the one judging about you know is there anybody else making noise out and about and we have amazing neighbours and one of our neighbours used to play professional football and he always said as soon as we moved in we just love to hear children outside playing wow and that was sort of my yes a green light <laughs> we're in the right place and it encouraged us to have the boys outside playing oh, even more amazing. and just kind of let loose really 
that is amazing and actually the same thing would often happen with us and still if i'm honest happens with us even though our boys are a little bit bigger Mm. that if they have not burnt off energy in the day that energy has to go somewhere and i know we're talking about boys i don't think that it's isolated to boys i was the exact same when i was growing up i was outdoors climbing playing running around playing in the fields up the tree in the old ruin down in the field and i i was out and active so it doesn't surprise me in the least that my children are the same way and i think that it's really important we encourage and support that as Mm. much as we possibly can so yes but isn't it funny how as a society we are intent on telling our children to stay still sit nicely they're sitting down at desks for most of the day at school. And mm-hmm. do you know what? I'm, I am guilty of it too sometimes. You just want them to sit still in some environments. And actually, sometimes they do need to be still. So what? There to- are environments where they need to be sitting down. That there's, you know, if you went to the theatre or yeah. the cinema or something like that, they, they're going to sit because they're, they understand why there's a purpose there's an obvious social situation where sitting is what you do Mm. the difficulty that that our bodies have is that they're hardwired to move and if we're continually resisting what our natural hardwiring and urges are then it's really unhealthy for our mind and our body because we're starting to shut down the communication that our body's saying. It's like you sitting at your desk at home and you're thinking, oh, my shoulders are a bit stiff now. You have agency. You go, okay, I'm going to get up and do that bonkers thing that Claire taught me to do, standing (laughs) against the wall again, because you have the freedom to do that. Our young people that freedom is taken away the moment they go to school because they're being told to sit down and sit still. And, you know, it's in, in early years, it's often the case where they get to sit on the floor, which is fantastic yeah. because we should all have the freedom and capability in our bodies to sit on the floor. And sitting on the floor, I mean, we wouldn't sit still on the floor, would we? No. If you sat on the floor, you'd be fidgeting. Yeah. It gets uncomfortable quickly. So the appropriate thing to do is listen to your body going, oh, that bum cheek hurts from sitting that way for so long. I'm going to move. And you move. And children deserve the same autonomy to, to do that, I mm. believe. And there's loads of things. So for your boys, the things that you could do is getting a stretchy band and yep. tying it around the legs of the chair. Yeah. So if you're having dinner and they're a bit on the move because they haven't had much opportunity they to... They don't sit down unless I tell them to. Okay, They great. will stand by the table yeah. and go up. Yeah. And then they'll dance off somewhere else. Yeah. And then they're back again. Brilliant. <laughs> so we, we set it up where you could... It's just standing. You can stand. Uh, We're going to eat together because that is very important in our family yeah. values. So we eat and you can stand. We often... Oh, it's that's a bit different now they're older, but certainly when they were younger, we did a lot of it's fine. You can stand as long as you're with us to eat. Oh, okay. We also that's have a... Yeah, we have a tradition of carpet 
tea. Oh, you mentioned you, that, yeah. Yeah, so where we put a blanket out yeah. and we just all sit around cross-legged and, and just eat on the floor because then it's encouraging that movement. And I think, you know, what I was saying before about schools schools have a system that they fall within and rules that they have to follow so i feel like the way we've set it up certainly for us is that our goal is to counterbalance the lack okay. of movement yeah. in the day yeah so for you it's the same thing with the boys can you look for as many freedoms and opportunities as you can to support them moving mm. at the rest of the time and maybe that's running up and down the street in the morning you know doing some some drills or you know we've got those little cones and, and oh, little yeah. mini hurdles and bits and pieces and the ladder so things can be done to get them going and energized and really they're going to do better at school the more they move physically yeah. anyway we've talked about this even as grown-ups we need to have the freedom of movement so we can have freedom of thinking yeah so yeah yeah because i was going to, what i was going to ask you is you know are we on a losing battle trying to get them to stay still but I like that that you've said you can work with it and adapt what you do and actually is it, does it matter if they stand up at the table when you think about it no except for the food that they drop oh well, but they're, they're gonna drop it anyway <laughs> just true. get a dog <laughs> <laughs> the thing is yeah I mean I'm a I'm a real why person so mm. If there's a rule I was so annoying can you imagine trying to teach me as a child I mean uh, you know hats off to all of my teachers over the years because honestly um and my parents obviously too because I was a why person I wanted to know why you know what's the purpose of that yeah. rule why is it that we should sit at the table why is it that you know I we've talked about this before you know my kids were always climbers I let them climb whatever yeah was there to climb and that was fine because that's our beliefs I believe that movement is part of who we are how we're designed and so yeah. I want to encourage that wherever I can um and counteract where movement's being removed out of our lives because that can be contrary to societal norms which encourages oh. that children should sit still and do you know what i was reading that school break times in england have got shorter oh, the that's last, appalling the last two decades and older pupils have lost more than an hour a week as lessons are increasingly eating into lunch and playtime mm. Afternoon breaks mm. used to be the standard in nearly all primary school children, but they've now been virtually eliminated. And a quarter of secondary schools now have lunch breaks of 35 minutes yeah. or less. And just and to add to that as well, when I was doing a bit of research on this, I was really surprised there doesn't seem to be a legal amount of break time required for school children. Shocking. I spent ages looking for it. And please, if anyone's listening and I've got that wrong, let us know. But... From observing our own children, that seems such an important thing, like you say, for that brain. Yeah, brain. I mean, I know when with our middle one, I think his lunch break something like twenty five minutes is absolutely oh, wow. off the chart. And you think it used to be called playtime? Yes. You know, it wasn't just about lunch and eating lunch. No. You know, we 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 discovered that it really there's 
hardly even enough time for a child to queue up, get food, mm. let alone eat that food at a pace that's appropriate for them, let alone then have time to digest that yeah. food by moving yeah. before going and sitting in a hot, clammy classroom. So ours take a pat lunch because then that way they've got it yeah. ready to go and it affords them more time to move. Yeah. And I know that's that can be difficult to fit into your life and if it if you believe your children need to move more then that's a shift that's worthwhile making yeah. i mean i can say that because i'm not actually the one making the pat lunches i won't <sighs> lie because if my husband's listening to the podcast they'll be like oh it's fine for her to say yeah. but he's the pat lunch maker they love his uh, pat lunches wow. but then you need to move so that your organs are stimulated to digest or your food is going to sit there yeah. and stagnate and not actually do the job you've eaten it for. So your brain is not going to get what it needs. And it's just a sort of vicious cycle. They really need that movement. Mm. Uh, yeah. And I was reading recently, actually, that there'd been a study, I can't remember where it was, around the importance of moving after eating for things like blood sugar and bringing your blood sugar down and, and yeah. as well as the things that you've... Well, it's what we, you know, what we would have done naturally. We would have eaten just the right amount. Mm. We wouldn't have overeaten. Mm. We would have eaten something that was balanced to provide the nutrition to our entire body and all the systems that need it. And movement is going to aid your digestion. And it's got, it, it does so much for you, actually. Um, mm. That's it's wow. such, such an important thing, isn't it? And we... And remember when we did the episode on technique and mm. you, I was saying about staying in that same position oh, yeah. at my desk and you were saying, and correct me if I've got this wrong, it can literally cause like a kink in the... Yes, a kink the, in the hose. Yes, a kink <laughs> in the hose. And so would I be right in saying that that can happen to children sat at a desk, for example, for a long period of time? Of course. I mean, it's frightening actually when you look at the, the technique that's affecting our young people because... You know, they're on technology a lot. They are a lot more at school, actually. I've forgotten about that. I'm still thinking of when I was at school and we were hunched over, like, writing. With a pen and a pad, yes. You're right. They're on uh, iPads or whatever it is that they're using at school. And then you think, like, in an office environment, if you were on a computer, it's likely that that it's your setup, Mm, that it's pretty reasonably ergonomically designed for you. What I understand is in a lot of cases, it isn't like that in schools mm. and perhaps they're on um, high up stools oh, yeah. and not a supportive chair. Yeah. So then they're, they are going to be falling into different postures. What's different about young people is unlike us, where we're a little bit more fixed, takes a little bit more work to, <laughs> you know, get the motion. Yeah. Um, they're still really quite pliable when mm-hmm. they're young. It's why, if you think, uh, well, it, the example that I think of is when I get an adult come to class for the first time and they did dance, ballet, for example, as a young person, and they've maybe done it from the age of five to the age of 18, mm. and they've gone off to uni or whatever, in those years when their body was... Um, forming yeah their body has formed to the activity 
it was doing. Ah. So the physical activity of dance yeah. has developed their bone structure because the bones are soft. Like, if you think about how you gave birth to your baby, yes. you know they were soft and pliable then. Yeah. yeah. And it's through the movements that they do as they begin to, to look around and crawl yeah. and then get up to standing. It's those actions they do physically with their body that develop everything from the arches of our feet are developed oh. from the way that we crawl, the way that we develop into walking. Yeah. All of those movements we go through are what build the body that we end up in. Yes. So when you get that little bit older and you do something like ballet or gymnastics or whatever yeah. it is, it can also be the nothing, the sedentary yes. life, yeah. the sitting on game stations and yeah. whatever else from a young age. You become the shape you mould too because your their bones are so soft. So what so might they you see in someone giving that example of someone who's done ballet yeah. from the age of five to eighteen? Yeah, and then they go from, go to university or something like that. So they're going to come to class yeah. and their feet and their legs are going to be turned out. Yeah, because that's what they've been trained into and grown into yeah their shoulder blades might be smaller and flatter and toward the back of their ribs rather than rounder okay. towards the side of their ribs they might have a uh, quite a flatter um so we have some curves in our spine so we have like inwards at your neck and inwards at your lower back yes, yeah outwards at your skull outwards at your shoulders and between your cheeks yeah okay and if they've been stood upright at the ballet bar, yeah. those curves might be smaller. They might oh. be a little bit more straightened out. So the same applies. That gives quite a, a, a not an extreme, but, but a clear example of a dance, you know, a physical mm. activity. Mm. Everything we do is a physical activity. Us standing here, the way we're doing it is moulding how we'll be tomorrow. When our little people are little and their bones are soft, those bones are growing into the shape of the activity that they do. So to so give you an huge. example, we were talking before we start recording, but my eldest son does gymnastics. Yeah. So not particularly seriously, he does a couple of hours a week. <clears throat> what what's that doing for him or to him? So he is developing the flexibility in his body that's required to do whatever type of yeah. gymnastics it is. He's building strength in his bones and shaping them just as the ballet dancer would yeah. uh, that will stay with him for the rest of his life. So a common thing uh, with the, the, the shape of a male pelvis is a little bit different to a female pelvis. Yeah. So oftentimes uh, men come to Pilates and they feel like their hamstrings are a bit tight. Oh, yeah, And they can't yeah. touch their toes. Why is that? Is, Part of because... that is because of the shape of their pelvis. Part okay. of that is because they haven't use them in a way that's allowed them to become flexible so for your son he won't be that way because right now he'll be able to touch his toes like it's nothing mom. yeah yeah and then he will continue to be able to do that as he continues ah. to to do gymnastics so if he's doing it while he's 
a teenager as well, it's likely that he won't have that can't touch my toes feeling. And so how much would be genetic, for example, and how much would be affected by that in your opinion? So I'm just thinking now and I'm going to do it. Great. That I, at my grand old age, can I, I used to do dancing, not loads, but I did a bit, and I can still touch my toes. Go on then, I'm standing back, I don't touch no toes. I don't think I can get my cold in my hands flat anymore. Very good. But, can, but that's, yeah, so yes. what I want to know is, is that because I did dancing when I was, and I now do Pilates, <laughs> or is it a bit of luck? Well, it could be a combination okay. of both. It's really hard to say. I mean, what, how much dance did you do? How often? What yeah. age? everything feeds into that have you continued your whole life going oh i can touch my toes and kept mm. repeating that and also the other piece of it is your attitude you believe that you're the sort of person who can just touch their toes at the drop of the hat therefore you can i also believed i was i could still do a cartwheel <laughs> oh dear Turned out i could but it probably wasn't not pretty <laughs> i love a good cartwheel <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> Do you know what? It's really funny because since doing Pilates, I've realised that my children involuntarily do some of the exercises. <laughs> so, you know, I look over and I can be talking to one of them. They're doing rocking ball or they'll suddenly, you know, go into a swan or a child's pose when I'm chatting to them. They don't know it's Pilates. They might have, have an idea now from watching me, but they don't know. They're just doing it because it feels good. And I really oh. love to watch how naturally comes to them but so how come as adults hmm. we have to go to pilates classes to relearn these exercises which i reckon maybe i used to do i can't remember because my brain told me oh you need to do that and it feels good so how and why do we lose that innate ability? Oh my gosh. You know, part of it actually goes back to where we started this conversation today that we are going to school mm. and then we're editing out that ability, that agency to just do what feels good. And there are those, like you said, that, that you know, societal norms that it isn't, you know, so for t example, today, I was on Steph's Pat Lunch and I'm a lunch mate so and I sit and it's so much fun. I absolutely love the experience of it, but it's sitting yeah. and I never sit. So um, every break I'm up there, uh, I'm stretching, I'm doing all of the oh, things really? and I don't give two hoots that everybody's watching, yeah. that it's not normal to other yeah. people to yeah. do that, but I'm not going to go from there aching and sore because yeah. I've sat in that position for that whole length of time and if we can start to push those boundaries another example is in airport so when I was doing lots of traveling to do my training with Lolita I was at all these different airports and it was for lengthy periods of time I had my little travel case I had a fold-up mat I had a ball I had a spiky oh, wow. ball I had a stretchy band and at wherever I was I just did my workout because I needed to look after my body yeah. to be able to do what I want to do and live healthily yeah. and look after my future self. And 
as adults, you know, we worry a lot about what other people's thinking, mm. what are the, yeah. you know... The, the, never, you're never going to see him again. Yeah, and <laughs> who cares what they're thinking? Because yeah. you can't control anyway. No. So if you don't do it and they look at you and they might be like, oh, here's a bit funny. Yeah. You can't control that, yeah. so why does it matter what else you do? And I think if we can start to slowly nudge and and change that it will make the world of difference and i'm not saying that that's that's easy necessarily for people to do but why wouldn't we just do the thing that looks after that and that's where we go back to the child i'm thinking if i was you know just waiting for a plane or whatever you've got your children there and they want to run about and they want to and the first thing that you probably wouldn't say i would be like i would say because you're worried about well what will people think are they irritating other people Mm. come and sit down okay so the thing that i would do is set a boundary okay so we create because of course i don't want to annoy people either yeah and I will create a boundary that's respectful and works for everybody, yeah. whatever that might be. If there's an outdoor space, we're going to tag yeah. teams so yeah, that we one parent, that. you know, something yeah. like that. Or we go to a different terminal where there's not a lot of people yeah. waiting and we'll do weaving in and out, yeah. we'll do push-ups on the chairs, we'll do whatever it is, but we will make a boundary yeah. activity yeah. that allows that movement. But isn't it great that kids know what to do? They, they know. They just do it. So that's that I've lost it. We're going to be on a plane in a minute, therefore I need to get this energy out. <laughs> yeah. Now and move because I'm going to be strapped in the seat and in a minute. And because kids, you know back to what we're saying about sort of the cultural bit kids are not comparing themselves to other folk no but we're you know all it's of us social media and all of those yeah, things that are out yeah. there you know the instagram nation where we're all comparing ourselves and scrolling and making instant judgments yeah. about people all the time if we can edit away from that yeah. that would help us a lot so is pilates essentially Helping us to be children again. Helping us to be children again. You know, to regain that. Oh, I wish we could lost. turn back time oh. at Pilates class. We but do we sometimes. Can. We have fun. <laughs> do you know We're tonight? Not, I was yeah. and I was, I was just saying this to you before. I've just done a reformer class, and we did the. Is it jumping? I don't know what you call yeah, it. Yeah, just say jumping. That's jumping fine. on the foot bar. Mm-hmm. And we all said, oh, this feels amazing, it's yeah. fun, and I feel I'm free, and I feel... And it and it was that feeling of being a child, like, jumping free on a trampoline or something like that. And why have we lost that? Yeah. Like, you know, movement or exercise is so often seen as punishment and a chore, mm. and you've got to fit it in, and people pay memberships for things, and then they don't go, and then they have yeah. guilt about not going, and yeah. all of that, blah, blah, blah. Exercise is nourishment, not punishment. Just like what you eat, you know, everything that we consume is has, you know, cost-benefit, doesn't it? Yeah. So... Is what we're consuming benefiting us? Is the movement we consume benefiting? Mm. Are we getting enough of the right sorts of movement? In the same way as you wouldn't eat all carbs, yeah. you need to get, well, movement nourishment too. So you might think, well, I spend maybe two hours every evening on the sofa watching Netflix and I spend eight hours sitting on a chair at my <laughs> desk at work. Did you have a camera in my <laughs> last night? <laughs> 
So maybe I need to look at a more balanced movement diet yeah. if it's all sitting like that, yeah. you know. And I think you know, even then people go, well, I'm just going to drive in my car to go to the gym down the street. Let's just walk or yeah, jog yeah. or jump around your, your living room. I always think about um, that episode of Friends when Phoebe goes oh, yeah. running, goes running yeah. and Rachel's embarrassed. Yeah. And Phoebe's like, I'm embarrassed of you. Yeah. And she goes, right, just run freely. And yeah. she has fun. Yeah. We need to find the ways of moving that's Fun. And it doesn't matter if they see me because I'm gone. Yeah, That's, you're gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not about anybody else but you. Yes. And the example that you set to your children, which is what we're talking about today, mm. is that your children move and explore how movement feels and do what feels good because they see you do the same. Mm. Behaviour is caught, not taught. We've Ooh, said it before. So we've got exercises, nourishment, nourishment not, not punishment. Behaviour is caught, not, not taught. taught. Love that. Yeah. So when I was a child, like many others, you know, I took it for granted how easily I could move. Mm, mm, um, mm. You know, I was fortunate. And, you know, I had usual childhood scrapes on the knees. And I also dislocated my elbow, actually. I was thinking about this. Oh, my goodness. That's interesting. Several times when I was about eight. (laughs) Some kids next door were giving me a really... I don't know if you're a leg and a wing. A leg and a wing! (laughs) I bet you everybody else listening is remembering that, too. (laughs) Leg and wing. (laughs) And it broke your wing. Yeah, wing broke. (laughs) Just recovered from that and oh. I fell down in the playground, did a lady yank me up. Oh no! There it went again. But yeah, so that that was it. But uh, yeah, there were no kind of I'm aware of anyway, repercussions on that. So I, I was really fortunate. But then when I was about 14, I damaged my coccyx in, coccyx in a gymnastics oh, yeah. class at school. So I mistimed a flip on the horse. Oh. I must have flipped over to it and just slammed my lower back against the horse and you know it was obviously a really long time ago so I can't remember that much about it but I do remember that the next day I couldn't get out of bed oh my god I was like set in the position and that last I can't remember maybe for say 24 hours or something Mm. like that and then I just carried on going with it and of course but for years and years, I couldn't lie flat on a hard... I couldn't lie on a floor flat. I couldn't get up oh again. Or I could, but it was agony. So I just didn't do that. Because <laughs> it was too That's... painful. And then I forgot about it until I was pregnant for the first time. In about seven months, suddenly the old coccyx that I hadn't felt for years reared up again. Mm. And for a few weeks, I was crawling around on my hands and knees. Because oh I, couldn't, I couldn't walk because it was hurting so much so that's a bit of a long story but there is a point (laughs) so what i'd like to know is could my 14 year old self (laughs) have done something to prevent that pain rearing its head and i suppose my point Uh, is here that we have these and it was quite it felt a minor injury it wasn't a big a particularly big deal at the time but I laced it, obviously laced up because it hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what could I have done? And is there anything I could have done to prevent it popping up again? 
I'm sure it'll come. Like but I feel like it'll come again at some it point. It might. It's lying dormant. So lying dormant. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. You've got a dormant coccyx. I've got a dormant. Yeah. It's that. I just feel like I don't know what will trigger it, but yeah, I know something will something at some point. Might. Yeah. The thing is, it comes back again to you know our anatomy and movement and how our bodies are designed, and actually, it's designed to heal itself. Mm-hmm. So. A lot of healing just took place naturally and you were at that young age. Of course, yeah. So there was more capacity for healing there. And any injury, whatever it is, when you're pregnant can rear up. That's so common that 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 old injury, whatever that old injury is, comes back when you are pregnant because of all of the hormone relaxing uh, you'll have probably heard yes, of yeah. where you're you're creating more space and movement yeah. and laxity in your body which means something that's fixed itself yeah. to become stable yeah. like your coccyx it then becomes a bit more relaxed uh, so the 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 stabilizing healing that took place isn't the same it isn't there so then it, it can read its head so anything else that might occur in your life where hormones might change might just bring about some more information and feedback really to you about your coccyx because i don't think i would have put like hormones coccyx like what <laughs> Do you, together they seem to be two separate things I to know. all of our systems to the layman in our body are connected and work in this symbiotic way there isn't there is no system that's just like working on its own yes yeah, well it, yeah of course <laughs> when you say but i think i'm not alone in thinking that an injury oh it's just that bit that's injured Oh, yes. I mean, that's, as a Pilates teacher, for many years, that's what we're working with on a daily basis. And I teach my students the same thing, that generally we separate everything off. Yeah. And even something like, oh, well, I do my exercise for that thing when I go to that class. And yeah. my exercise for this thing when I go to that class. But you're exercising everything all the time. Legs, bums and tums. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. There's no such thing as leg day. This is the, the in-joke in our house where, you know, the idea that you're just going to go to the gym and train one area of your body is just the most bonkers thing to me. But, you know, I, each to their own. <laughs> so moving on to sort of teenage years, hmm. I think I, like many other teenage girls, became less active as I grew mm-hmm. older. I grew out of playing on the street. We, I didn't really do any sport outside of school. I had done dancing lessons and I gave that up about 15 and I reduced what I was doing. But I was reading in a World Health Organization report that stated that 85% of adolescent girls don't do enough physical activity. And one of the reasons the study had found why they were stopping sport was because of the competitive of sport wasn't necessarily appealing mm. to girls of that age they didn't want to compete they might have wanted to do the sport but they didn't want to compete and if they didn't want to compete there ne- weren't necessarily those opportunities mm. for them to compete and yeah. thinking about competition made me 
think back to the conversation we had with Joe in the episode around Pilates and the community. Yeah. And one of the things that Joe said she really liked about Pilates that appealed to her was that it isn't competitive. competitive no, yeah. not at all. There, there isn't really anyone to compete with in class, is no. there? Which is one of the brilliant things about Pilates. Absolutely. That's interesting because I guess, you know, my experience, because I always danced and that wasn't really competitive mm. I didn't do compete that is competitive dance of course I didn't do that so I was always still really active okay. at that time and I think you know I was very lucky and it was a real kind of minority at the time to have dance available and I did the equivalent of GCSE and A-level dance. Did you? Yeah, I did. Isn't that amazing? And then I did a diploma in dance performance and then I did a degree in dance. So you I mean, were, so that's, you were I the minority. That, in, mm, yeah, a lot of people give up a hobby, you know, if it's a hobby like that. For sure. That's so to give that up surprising. When you, you, you know, I was talking to my husband about this and we were talking about why do people, why do we give things up mm. sort of mid to late teens? And we were saying, I think there's just other things going on. There's other appeal. Oh, there's I want to go out with other appeals. I want there's other freedoms that yeah. you're getting. So yeah. you're getting that freedom to go out, yeah. and you're you're building social relationships yeah. that are independent of your parents. Yeah. You're going to other activities that might not be physical activities, yeah. and I, that's really fascinating. And I think there's a great opportunity, particularly for girls, because you know, I have a particular interest in how we educate women to be women in their bodies mm. and know about their bodies. There's a great opportunity, actually, to integrate Pilates into what those young adolescent girls do because it isn't competitive. They learn about their bodies, mm. how they function, what everything is for and how they can use it and how they can listen to it and sense and understand when something is changing and what that communication means and how that would really inform them in later life. Mm. Like if you had done that before you had your coccyx yeah. injury, you would have dealt with that in a very different way because you would have understood that motion is lotion yes. yeah. and that you would have gotten up and done some movement after 24 hours where you were using your breath in there you might have done some gentle tissue release in there like there's other things you might have done if you had been informed about your body and you know pilates is fun imagine if you'd been doing pilates then i mean i did pilates at, when i was uh, 14 i was doing pilates mm. i didn't know it was called pilates but i was doing it and it was fun yeah, what we but that doing. it's so unusual, isn't it? Yeah. Not just Pilates, but for that uh, movement yeah. and exercise to con continue. Perhaps unless, like you, you found a real niche in dance yeah. Yeah. and something that you wanted to stick with and you wanted to... Yeah. Do. So if you had to sum that up, how should we educate our daughters, our oh, yes. younger family members? What What do you think are the key things that we should be we should be telling them and teaching them and encouraging them to do. I mean, I think that one of the things is just to say again is about agency, is about really listening to the communication that your body is giving you and that you genuinely are the expert in you. Mm. You are the expert in you. And I think that 
we even as adults we we're looking to find out from an expert outside of us about a specific thing to do with us and yes we need our experts Mm -hmm. and our healthcare professionals and we also need to be responsible for ourselves and learning enough about ourselves that we know when something has changed when something is different so we definitely um teach that and i think exploring breath is a really important thing for young people because part of technique you were getting all this up yeah. upper respiratory breathing yeah. where you're just breathing chest up and that's making creates more stress yeah. reduces sensation in the rest of the body and if we could get breath everywhere into the pores of our skin everywhere in our body we would feel more they would be more responsive they would be clearer in their mind yeah so i think those are the things I would and say. it seems so straightforward when you say that but but we don't generally do it and i was thinking about when i got to my 20s mm-hmm. I think there was an age in my early 20s where I did start to become a little bit more active again. And I think this is quite a common pattern. Yeah. I joined a gym. Brilliant. For me, that was more, I think it was a so- started off as a bit of a social thing. I'd go with a friend, we'd go to some classes. And then I started to get quite invested in how, how I looked and what it was doing to my appearance, which I yeah. hadn't really thought about before um so i used to go to classes at the gym and i started to enjoy swimming as well i had quite big shoulders i think at one point (laughs) but again it was for me sounds quite vain doesn't it but i think it was about i hadn't really thought about how exercise can impact Mm. the way that you look but do you think i'm right in saying that generally people usually come to pilates a little bit later than this and, and and why do you think that is Oh, it's so interesting. I think it really varies and it depends on the type of Pilates and the the type of environment. And, you know, Pilates is actually quite in its infancy because it's really only been a generic name since the year 2000. So we're only actually, as we record this, 22 years old. And when you think about that, the grand scheme of other industries, that's quite young. And so there isn't necessarily a pattern just yet that we can follow. And I actually encourage the teachers that I train and anybody that I mentor to break away from the traditions that we might be seeing. So it used to be early in the days when Joseph Lattes had his studio in New York that it would be well-to-do women mm-hmm. who would come in with a full face of makeup who could do their workout and then leave so it wasn't a, a sweaty gym yeah, they could break into a sweat yeah. and then they could go and have lunch yeah I think that we've definitely moved away from that and I still think that there's more work to be done because we're in our infancy it could be, Pilates could be anything and anywhere. Like, I think we need it in schools. We need a team of people who are going to go into the education system and shake it up with Pilates. That would be amazing. I think young, Pilates. Yeah, yeah, and I think young um, girls need education on the function of their bodies and how it's changing and future-proofing for whatever they choose to do as they become into mature women. Um, And I think right now in our studio, we have 
The whole range. Oh, do you? Absolutely, the What's whole the range. What's the Um. Oh, I'm going to get... I think that she's 17. Okay. So one of my clients daughter right. comes uh, to a class whilst she does another class yeah. so they're not in class together they do it independent because she's coming of her own choice yeah. which really matters and this particular young lady i remember when she was born so i worked with her mummy at postnatal and then it's kind of carried on which is amazing and then we have people that are almost 90 with quite a lot at that yeah. end of the age spectrum as well so we do have all ages and would that so would that be your dream what would your dream be for we know Pilates in its infancy mm-hmm. if we were to if we think about the children that we've talked about and the yeah. teenage and the young the sort of in their 20s probably mm. too early 30s what would be the ideal for you i think i share the same vision that joseph pilates had mm. that everybody would do pilates in their home as part of their everyday well-being and and to use the word that we used before nourishment yeah that it was just part and parcel of our daily regime to keep ourselves healthy and well and everybody just knows what pilates is and even if they don't know what it is they're doing the they're exercises. doing it like, exactly yeah. yes <laughs> so let's end the episode with your three Claire shares three pearls of wisdom what three things that we've discussed would you say to your younger self what advice would you give yourself about movement knowing what you know now knowing what i know now i would um remind myself that movement is nourishment Mm. i mentioned before um that i had a point you know after i had my first this was in our last episode where i had postnatal depression and it actually took somebody outside to say to me you just need to do what you know Mm. you need to do the movement and i and and so i would remind myself that in all periods of life Movement is nourishment. Exercise is nourishment. And so I would remind myself that. And I would also bring it back to breath. Always just bring it back to breath. When you're stressed, when you're worried, when something doesn't feel right, when you're aching, when you're tired, just bring it back to breath. Oh, that's fascinating. As you've said that, I don't know if you know, Mm -hmm. I did a quick... Yes. breathing in because we do or i do and I, I notice i do shallow mm-hmm. breathe mm-hmm. so that will be that's so important i think that if we can take a moment every day just to to come back yeah. to come back to the breath um and then share it share it is what i would say so making sure that wherever there's an opportunity to to share an opportunity to yeah. move, share it with yeah. children, share it with other people. So, yeah. Oh, this has been so great. Oh, it's been great. really interesting to look back on, for me personally, on what I could have done differently and also to understand what I can now do to help my kids to carry on moving now and in the future. So thank you so much, Claire. Thank you, Sophie. It's been great to chat as always. And we'll continue with the theme of identity in our next episode. And I'll look forward to sharing more then. So in the meantime, let us know what you think of this episode. Like, share, do all the things you know you need to do to help other people find us. 
and we'd really love you to let us know if there's anything else you'd like us to cover in further episodes. Thank you so much for listening. Bye for now. Bye-bye. As a loyal listener of Reimagining You, The Pilates Way, I'm offering an exclusive discount of 10% off Stage 1 Pre-Pilates for Whole Body Pelvic Health. Use the code PODCAST over at wholebodypelvichealth.co.uk for that discount. That's use the code PODCAST at wholebodypelvichealth.co.uk.